Okay, then. Welcome in to, well, it's July now. Can you believe it? Middle of the week, July 1st. It is officially the second half of the year 2020. Yes, we are heading in for the halftime break. And uh, yeah, it's been a rough first half going in for some halftime adjustments here. Obviously, anytime you deal with a halftime adjustment, everything starts with defense, 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 defense. Bill Self always says we were not good enough defensively. So what does that mean for the second half of this year? We got to bone up defensively, right? Put on that mask. Avoid the people. That's how you get your defense going. (laughs) Welcome in, everybody. Believe in Jayhawks basketball program and the Believe podcast network as we roll on through 2020 for better or for worse. Believe podcast network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And here's what I believe. We're finally on the front foot of the news for once. (laughs) Too often we post the recording and then something breaks, but no, this time something has actually happened in a timely manner for our liking. So I'll get to that in just a moment. Plus uh, an article broke that I just thought was fun. It'd be fun to look back as where our our future is sort of uncertain. Fun to take a look back. And then hopefully the season gets started on time. Although new Iona head coach, you may have heard of him, Rick Pitino, just tweeted today. Yes, Rick (laughs) Pitino. Rick Pitino is on Twitter. He wants the season to start in January, which actually may not be the worst idea. Maybe to start in Big 12 play. Oh, there's so many fun non-conference games on KU schedule this year. Anyways, let's get to it. Believe in Jayhawks. My name is Jonas. Like the Weezer song, at JonasN310 on Instagram. That's where I'd like the DMs. Would love your opinions. But let's get to the news. And Great. It's more legal stuff, and it's, in, it's NCAA stuff, the stuff that we all love to talk about. So interesting. We're all such big experts on it. Here's the headline. Kansas's infractions case will be resolved through the independent accountability resolution process, the IARP. It's like the AARP, but with an I, but still probably run by old people. Regardless. What is the IARP? Oof, that's a mouthful. That is what is probably better news for Kansas and Kansas fans. As opposed to dealing with the NCAA directly, this is the new independent committee that supposedly Condoleezza Rice got in there, got her hands a little bit dirty, said college basketball is a little iffy. Let's have an independent committee. So this is what KU and their case are going to go through instead of just directly dealing with the NCAA. Why is this a better move for Kansas? I'm going to defer to Jesse Newell of the KC Star, who immediately has something posted. Uh, There's a couple good reasons. Specifically, they just don't think they're going to get a fair committee or a fair hearing with the NCAA's Committee on Infractions. Jesse Newell does a really good job of mentioning how when the NCAA released their response and sent out the allegations, It was just full of emotionally, quote-unquote, emotionally charged language. So in this whole case where it's obviously not the court of law, so it doesn't really matter, but you'd think that they're being somewhat partial. Yes, there are allegations, but we should hear both sides. They were getting a little bit too butthurt over it. 
So get it away from this emotionally prepubescent committee and put it in the hands of someone that's independent. NCA just getting way too personal with things. In fact, the quote from Jesse is, quote unquote, the NCAA is taking this thing personally. <laughs> so get it away from them, get someone independent, or at least that's supposed to be, and go from there. The other reason that they would favor the IARP, the school is attempting to make a legal argument that former Adidas representative TJ Gasnola should not be considered a booster. And with that type of appeal is likely best heard by others with law backgrounds. Interesting. In the world of law, where it is straight facts and the way you, <laughs> my father's going to hate this, the way you twist things to appear, the way you present the information and the evidence by saying that TJ Gasnola hurt Kansas, as we heard uh, last summer, then someone with a law degree could say, okay, well, if that is the facts, that is what we've heard in court of law before, then we can't really charge them. So developing story, but this is the better move. We don't really know how this is going to turn out, of course, but between the two options, this is what KU would have preferred. We saw what just happened with Oklahoma State, right? They did not get to the IARP. They were handling or they were dealing with the NCAA and they got slapped with a pretty hard penalty. Although Cade Cunningham, the young man that we talked about, the number one recruit in the nation, is still going to play at Oklahoma State, which I found somewhat interesting. But his brother is on the coaching staff. So I guess it makes a little bit of sense. So that's the, the legalese. That's the boring stuff. <laughs> that's the stuff that we are, as Kansas fans and talking about Kansas having to talk about right now, especially here in the doldrums of the offseason in July, as we hope that we are only a couple months away from the start of the season, but who knows again. Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Let me know what you think about all this. Is it tedious? I can answer that for you. It's a yes. But do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Non-committal about Kansas having the opportunity to go in front of the independent committee and not just the NCAA. Let me know your thoughts at Jonas N three one zero on the gram. Let's get to something more funner. I was going to start off this program talking about recruiting. Also um, the news coming out is that Kendall Brown, I talk about this website all the time, 24 seven sports. I think the best recruiting spot in terms of college basketball, the rankings, where they're going to go uh, on 24-7, they now have Kendall Brown, likely, or 100% crystal ball, to come to Kansas, which is a huge development. He is a top 20 player, at least on 24-7's rankings. Uh, we talked about him a month ago, perhaps, something like that, when his teammate from Sunrise Christian, Zach Clements, actually did commit to Kansas, and we made the point of saying, Zach Clements is coming in. Can he convince his good friend, Kendall Brown? It appears he's done just that. And if we're talking about NCAA infractions and issues arising from that, so far, so good for these pretty good recruits, right? Whatever Bill Self and Norm Roberts and Curtis Townsend and Jarence Howard are feeding these kids, it's convincing enough because they are now, well, Clements for sure, and then Kendall Brown likely to follow. So that's good news. Kendall Brown, when you watch 
the YouTube videos, very bouncy, very athletic. Could be a dynamite addition with him and Clements in two seasons. But I want to get to this fun article I saw. It popped up on my newsfeed because it involves Tyshawn Taylor. Uh, as of right now, they are planning on playing TBT. No, that's not to be determined. <laughs> it is the basketball tournament. That is TBT, not Throwback Thursday, the basketball tournament. And this year, Tyshawn Taylor, remember last year was the self-made team. Perry Ellis was on the team, Landon Lucas. They got destroyed in the first game. Perry Ellis shredded his knee within the first minute of the game. It was a bad scene. I think Tyshawn and Elijah Johnson were on that team as well. So no self-made team this year. Tyshawn is going to play on an alumni team full of Oklahoma State players. I think Markel Brown, LeBron Nash are on that team. Some old friends from like five years ago. Like they were on the Marcus Smart teams. Ugh. Ugh. That would have been yeah, about five, six years ago. So Tyshawn will be a cowboy somewhat. And they talked to a number of the players in the basketball tournament about the games that they just cannot forget. So Tyshawn was in this article on ESPN. And because of it, it popped up in my feed because of Kansas news. But there's, a, there's some other ones that I found were really interesting. And then I, of course, put together my own list of can't forget games, right, for Kansas. The thing that stood out to me was a whole lot of Kansas mentions other than just Tyshawn being on the list. The very first guy, Travis Diener, was on Marquette. I believe he had some time in the NBA, but his game that he couldn't forget, the game in which they got annihilated, Marquette did, in the Final Four, 2003, against Kansas. That's the game he can't forget about. Dwayne Wade's team, remember that? Yeah, before, of course, the the Carmelo-Syracuse game. Next one on the list, Aaron Kraft. The game he can't forget, Aaron Kraft, excellent career. Last played eight years ago. Wow, I can't believe it's been eight years since Aaron Kraft and that generation of college basketball players has been out of school. Wow. Anyways, excellent career. Overrated? Yes. Hardworking? Also, yes. But was on some really good teams. Jared Sullinger. Uh, those Ohio State teams were forces to be reckoned with. And they made the Final Four, which is the game that Aaron Kraft cannot forget. The one game out of games against Michigan State. No big games against Michigan. Wisconsin, all those Big Ten games, all the great non-conference games I'm sure that they played. The one he cannot forget about is the loss to Kansas in the 2012 Final Four game. Perhaps because it is the Final Four and had the greatest impact of his career. You lose that game. You don't know what's going to happen in the championship game, which is what he mentions. Although I don't think anyone was going to beat Anthony Davis in Kentucky that year. But yeah, that's, that's Aaron Kraft's game that will forever stick in his craw. 2012, that was an amazing game. I've, I've said that I will not rewatch games during this quarantine and stay at home brouhaha. But I have seen some highlights. I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't watch some highlights of that 2012 game, of the Final Four game. What a game. At one point down by 12, KU comes back frenetic final couple of minutes. Uh, Aaron Kraft, of course, right, getting called for the lane violation on the missed free throw on purpose. Whew. 
gives me chills. Eight years ago. Unreal. How about this one? This one doesn't mention Kansas, but remember this game? This is one I'll never forget. I remember watching this game. Eric Devendorf. Now there's a name, right? Syracuse. Of course, the six overtime game versus UConn in the Big East quarterfinals, 2009. That game, I believe, was a Saturday. The story was, I was doing something that evening, and I got back just in time to watch like the final two minutes of regulation. And Devendorf played a major part in that. He hit the what seemed to be the game-winning shot right at the end of the game. And video review said, ooh, released it just a little bit too late, Eric. If only they knew what they were in for. Because then it was six overtimes later and essentially got my fill of a full basketball game. And what a basketball game that was. And can you believe that was only the quarterfinals? Syracuse and Johnny Flynn and Eric Devendorf still had, yeah, two more games to play. And they made the finals of the Big East, but they just ran out of gas by the championship game. Then Tyshawn Taylor, which game did he say? You can probably guess it. Remember his senior year was that 2012 year. A lot was happening that year. I'll give you a moment. Which game do you think that will... Which game do you think Tyshawn will never forget? Obviously that game against Missouri, right? Yeah, 2012, the final border war. Top ranked Missouri, not number one, but having an excellent year. Kansas having a really good year themselves, battling for the Big 12 title with the Tigers. The comeback, the block, the overtime, Denman not getting the shot off as time expires, or he did, but it was just a second too late. He made that shot, by the way. People forget that. How could you not say that game? And it's interesting because Tyshawn is one of the few guys on that list who names a victory as the game he'll never forget. I don't know what it is. If these guys are just maniacs, it's the competitors in them. If just the losses really do hurt more than the wins, feel great. But just about everyone on this list names a loss. Uh, who was it? The guy from Gonzaga. I think it was Jay Norvell. He said, every tournament loss I ever had, those are the games I'll never forget. I think they have Joe Johnson, former Arkansas Razorback, also better known as ISO Joe. Joe Johnson, who had an unbelievable NBA career, former Atlanta Hawk, Utah Jazz, Brooklyn Net, yada, yada, yada. It was a loss. He, the one he remembered was a loss from back in college when he was at Arkansas. <laughs> but Tyshawn, Tyshawn remembers the victories. So let me get the Instagram out there one more time because this is where I really want to get interactive and I'd love to get the people's thoughts on the games that they will never forget. I do have a list of six here that came to mind. Jonas N. 310, let me know your games as a Kansas fan or even just as a college basketball fan. That's, that's cool. That you will never forget. I, I kept it to Kansas. I tried to do it in chronological order, and I will go all the way back to 2008. Yep, you guessed it. The Big 12 title game. Yeah, that, I believe, was the greatest played game I have ever seen between two teams. Two stacked programs. The Kansas team that won the national championship, a Texas team with A.J. Abrams, D.J. Augustine, 
I think Damian James was the power forward, right? Big white center. Oh, no, he was like a stretch forward, wasn't he? But two unbelievable teams. And that Texas team just as easily could have won the national championship as well. I think they ran into Memphis in the Elite Eight. Or they ran into North Carolina, one of those two, in the Elite Eight in Houston. But that 08 title game, Mario Chalmers went off. DJ Augustine was unbelievable. I I thought it was just pure basketball nirvana between two amazing teams. Kansas, of course, comes out on top. They get that last number one seed, and the rest is history. It, of course, led them to the second game on my list, which is the 08 Final Four game against North Carolina, a game I'll never forget. I'm not going to mention the championship game. That sort of speaks for itself. And honestly, the Final Four game, just a little bit more vivid to me at this point. The way they just came out against the prohibitive favorites, I know that Kansas team was sort of undersold nationally. But when you have Tyler Hansborough, who is the media darling, Raymond Felton, Danny Green, Alex Stevenson, right? Wayne Ellington. I mean, North Carolina was the media, was the apple of their eye. And for Kansas to come out and put the whooping on them to start, this this was three games within one. Kansas blows them out. North Carolina comes back, is down by what, like four or five? Kansas pulls away at the end to make it look more lopsided than it really was through the middle of that game. Unbelievable stuff. Cole Aldrich locking down Tyler Hansborough. Cole Aldrich went on to have a very good full Kansas career before leaving in his junior year. But when you say Cole Aldrich, people will always remember him dominating Tyler Hansborough in that first half of the Final Four. That's how memorable that game was. 2012, Mizzou, obviously. In fact, I tried to do this chronologically. I already skipped over one. 2011, I had to do it VCU. That Kansas team would have won the national championship. That and the 2017 team, which I'll get to in just a second, I believe are the best since 08 to not win. You know, 2020 is a different animal since they didn't have the opportunity. Uh, In terms of teams that went into the tournament and had the chance to play for a championship, you know, within March Madness, I believe the 2011 team might be the first over 2017 in terms of what could have been. They just couldn't hit anything. And... They rolled through the tournament up to that point. There was no drama until that VCU game. Tyrell Reed couldn't hit water out of a bucket. Brady Morningstar couldn't. The Morris Twins were ineffective. And that was it. VCU, credit to them, made the Final Four run, and a really bad UConn team ended up winning the national championship. That was the UConn-Butler championship, right? in what might be the worst championship game I have ever seen. Just a real brick fest. Uh, 2012 goes without saying. Mizzou. I jump ahead to 2016. I will never forget this moment. In fact, where'd my roommate go? <laughs> Although we are coming from, you know, the Jayhawks nest here, talking things. 2016, triple overtime, Oklahoma. What an evening. I'll never forget it. We were in a bar watching it by ourselves because it was Big Monday, right? Who's, who's going out that evening? It's number one versus number two, and it's number one versus number two, depending on the poll that you're looking at. 
Brent Musburger and Dickie Vitale on the call, and it worked because it was such a legendary evening. Buddy Heald going off. Triple overtime. Unbelievable play. Right up there with the 08 Big 12 title game. Back and forth they went. Frank Mason with the steal on the inbounds pass. At points you think Oklahoma's got this. At points you think Kansas has this. Perry Ellis, Wayne Selden. I mean, (laughs) what a game. That is a game I'd love to go back and watch if I have time. That's the one. It was just, it was unbelievable. Devontae Graham was, of course, in that game. Which leads us to 2017, Elite Eight, Oregon. Mm. That one stung. I watched that game with an Oregon alum. That jerk. No, he's a real sweetheart. But once Jordan Bell got going and he was swatting everything, and you could tell that this is the point where Landon Lucas is not a worthy Big 12 center. Josh Jackson gets in foul trouble, gets ticky-tack fouls the rest of the way, is rendered ineffective, ending one of the greatest individual seasons we've seen from Frank Mason, you know, the player of the year. A team that went to the four-guard lineup and did it amazingly, revolutionizing college basketball and the Kansas basketball program up to this point, as we've seen them play better with four guards every year since. That one was tough. Uh, That one really hurt. I thought the 2017 team as well could have won the national title, and I believe they would have played Oregon in the Final Four. Or, I'm sorry, they would have played Oklahoma? No, 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 no. That's not correct. Trying to remember who they would have played in the Final Four. Yeah, regardless. Maybe Villanova, actually. Which probably would not have gone well. Anywho. Man, you can tell that the Oregon game still gets me. All right. And then I had to pull one out from this past year. No, 18, despite the final four run, that Duke game is obviously pretty sick. Um, 2019 was a joke. Uh, I went to the Dayton game. I'll never forget that Dayton game. 2019 Maui Classic uh, around Thanksgiving. Two amazing ball clubs. So much talent on the floor. Yudoka Azabuki doing his thing. Obi Toppin, what a... Pure joy to watch. Devon Dotson dominating. That was an unbelievable college basketball game. At the Maui Classic, you had the traditional powerhouse. You had this team that everyone's going, you know, Dayton could be pretty good. And then they show everybody why and go on the rest of the year to would have likely been, I think, a number one seed, right? One or two seed and made some waves in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so that was, that was just an unbelievable game that I'll never forget as well. So that's my list. Let me know your thoughts, both on my list and, well, you cannot tell me what I'll never forget. <laughs> but I'd love to hear the games that stand out to you. 08 Big 12 title game, 08 versus North Carolina, the VCU game, 2011, 12 Mizzou, OVS, 16, triple overtime versus Oklahoma, 17 versus Oregon, and then, of course, this past year against the Flyers of Dayton. All right. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Appreciate everybody listening. We got some legal talk. We went down memory road, and we also looked down the future, down to the future, with potentially Kendall Brown. So, I don't care if it's the offseason. 
we're producing content here. Appreciate you listening. Tell your friends that we're still grinding over here on the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. We've got freaking Gonzaga fans who tune in and listen every now and then. Yes, they're still going to be very good next year. Um, but appreciate everybody. Stay safe. Again, I can't believe it's July. Time flies. Um, D up. Get in front of your man and wear a mask. Or actually, you know what? Don't get in front of your man. Get a wave from everyone else. That's how you play defense in 2020 is by not being close to your signed offensive man. <laughs> no marking this year. <laughs> All right. I better get out of here before I get myself in trouble. Everyone stay safe. And as always, rock chalk. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up.